0: Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth, the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today we have something very interesting to talk about. <laughs> it is how the descendants of the last slave ship that came to America, how those descendants are faring. And there are two sets of descendants, obviously. They are the black descendants who were the enslaved people, And, of course, the descendants of the slave trader, who are the enslaver of people, and how those descendants today are faring in Alabama. Now, for those of you who are watching, who have never been to America or who don't know where Alabama is, Alabama is a state in the American South. Traditionally, Alabama believed in slavery. And the economy of Alabama was based on the backs of slaves, enslaved people, period. That's how they profited. That's the end of their, their story, right? So today, Alabama no longer practices slavery, obviously, but the descendants are still caught up in a vice. It's why we refer to systemic and institutionalized racism here in the United States, because it is what it is. People who look like me were enslaved by people who sometimes look like you, who were white, and that enslavement and belief and the hypothesis that you were better because of the color of your skin, and therefore you had the right to subjugate people who did not look like you to work for free still continues to this day. So we might have gotten rid of slavery, but we didn't get rid of the bonds of slavery. It exists today in the form of systemic oppression, institutionalized racism, police brutality, systemic racism in healthcare, systemic racism in education, systemic racism in in housing, systemic racism in every facet of American life. Does this continue today? So I wanna talk about how the descendants of that last slave ship arrived here. So, So that we have some idea of of where we're going and, and what this is all about. I encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and family. You might have friends and family who don't know this because the history of racism and the history of slavery in America is suppressed because it makes some people uncomfortable. It makes white people uncomfortable. It should make you uncomfortable to know that your ancestors sold human beings. There is no beating around the bush, the time for pussyfooting around this issue Is long gone and is over. It is now time to face the stark reality that systemic racism exists and that a particular brand of systemic racism and institutionalized racism that exists today has carried over and spilled over to the extent where if you're driving down the street just because of the color of your skin you're likely to be pulled over. Not only are you likely to be pulled over but you are likely to be beaten, arrested for nothing. Because of the color of your skin, you are likely not to be hired or to be hired and paid less. Because of the color of your skin, you are subjected to racism in housing. You're subjected to the kind of interest rate that you get based on the color of your skin. So racism in America has never really left. It is, uh, how shall we say, you know how people like to stand under the Confederate flag and say that that's their culture? Well, this is their culture part of their culture is to continue their own brand of racism and inflict it upon black people. There are other types of racism. I suspect that people of color encounter other forms of racism, but you never get them to admit to it. But let me just help you out. Some of you who come from South Asian countries, uh, you'll find it in your nosy neighbor who will call the cops on you. you find it that even though you are eminently just as qualified, you don't get the same promotion in healthcare, right? You find that when asked to present your credentials, you are required to go an extra step to present your credentials. Whereas, some white person comes in and says they studied in Scotland, it's not verified, but people take it at, the, at, at face value. And you have to prove. That not only did you study where you said you studied, but actually you have to prove, get a police report from the town you were born in, saying that you were actually born in that town. I kid you not. You just, like, you're new to it. So you tend to think that they're right, because you're still following the colonial way of thinking, that whatever the white man does to you, he's right in doing it because he's better than you. It's going to take a generation for you to wake up. realize that it is wrong and it is wrong as Michelle Obama just said she is a descendant of slaves and she is uh, her ancestors had to work tooth and nail and work their fingers to the bone to, to take care of their children and send their children to school so they were born with a gold spoon in their mouth and so having done that to see now that this kind of racism still continues to this day. is very disheartening. And it has been awakened under the current president. The current president has practiced this brand of dividing and conquer because he thinks, because he's white, he's impervious to all of this. And it's hubris of being white keeps him and his descendants from any kind of fallout that anything, he doesn't even see it because it doesn't happen. So we need to address these issues, and this is the purpose of this broadcast, is to educate the American public so that you know, so that you take steps. When you see racism, you either stand up to it or you eliminate it by asking questions and pushing back. You don't just sit there and say, oh, well, I guess this happened. No, 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 it's practice, and if we don't reverse the practice of it over and over again, It's not going to stop. It's not enough to go along to get along. That does not work. A whole generation of us, after civil rights, went along thinking it would get along. We went along thinking it would go away if we cooperated with them, if we stood down, stand down. We went along and said, okay, if we do what they say, we made ourselves over into their image. Especially us women. We went and colored our hair. We even wear. some of us even wear colored contacts. Bleach our skin to look like their skin, thinking we would find acceptance. A whole generation of black men decided they would marry white women so that their children would not have to go through what they went through. A whole generation of black men ignored the struggles of black women and their ancestors that is endemic in them and decided they will be with white women because then maybe they won't see that I'm the better Negro. The trauma and intergenerational trauma has to be accounted for. And is in fact very real. On this broadcast, I've talked extensively on this podcast about epigenetics and the science of epigenetics and how intergenerational trauma is real. When I first started talking about this four years ago, people thought I was way out in the left field somewhere. But here we are today watching as George Floyd. neck was knelt on by eight minutes by a white cop who believed that he had the right to do so just because George Floyd is a Black man and he's white. These are the issues. So where did this kind of thinking come from? Well, let me help you out. For most Black Americans descended from enslaved Africans, there's no way of tracing back where our ancestors came from. The slave trade ripped families apart and records from slave ships and plantations often identified enslaved people with multiple or incomplete names. Given this systemic, systematic erasure, the story of the Clotilda, the last slave ship to reach the U.S. occupies a profoundly unique place in the history of the transatlantic slave trade. So the transatlantic slave trade was rendered illegal in 1808. That means all the countries from Europe, who traded with slaves, and who had been doing it for over 300 years by that time, decided that they, due to pressure within their own societies, especially within Britain, uh, uh, decided to end this Atlantic slave trade. However, there were rogue men in the American South who decided that they were going to carry it on however, and they did. And this is what started the Civil War in America. Part of the reason that contributed to the Civil War in America was the continued trading of slaves. So in 1860, this white man from Mobile, Alabama, named Timothy Mehar, M-E-A-H-E-R. I'm putting his name damn for sure out there so that people who live in Mobile, Alabama and around the United States and around the world know that this gentleman lived and traded and was a slave ship trader and his descendants today are worth close to $55 million. Benefiting from the fruits of their great, 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 great granddad who was a slave trader. Let's be clear about that. So Timothy Mihar and his friends and brothers scraped together $20,000. And despite the international slave trade being over, this is in 1860. Let me read it carefully so you know that uh, he decided that he was going to uh, get to Alabama. He was, so he, re- he bought, he took out a loan, bought a ship, a ship called the Clotilda and sailed from off the river there down in Mobile and sailed to a port in Benin, West Africa. These suckers had some nerve. You all know there are pirates out on the high seas today. Try that. Listen to me. Right? And he uh, bought slaves who were brought to the coast. There was an African king from the Dahomeyan kingdom uh, who uh, used to sell his people. So he would round up some people and brought them to the coast. He made a good, tidy living off that, apparently. Now, we have the lived experience of a man named Kodja Lewis, who was interviewed by a famed African-American, Black American writer named Zora Neale Hurston. She's actually more than famous. She's revered in America in Black American literary circles. Of course, I put the emphasis on that because white Americans do not value the contributions of Black Americans to the culture. White Americans see Black Americans as alternatives and alternatives to the prevailing way of life in America. Yet, when you look at other shows and you look at people from around the world, you see the influence of Black American popular culture on how people dress and greet one another and how they talk to one another, despite the fact that within America, white Americans continue to disparage against Black Americans. Y'all gonna call me some names up in here today, but I'm gonna tell it like it is and I'm gonna tell the truth like it is. Until you have experienced racism, and until you have experienced how damaging racism is, you will never have the voice that I have. You cannot speak to it. I'm not the, I'm not the Black person who will sit back in a corner and roll up and cry. I'm not. I'm going to shout it out from the mountaintops that racism is bad and that the continued enslavement of people, of black people by white people in America through systemic institutionalized racism. Not only is it wrong, but it's time we vote it out. It's time it goes. We're not here for it, not in this century, not in this lifetime, and not ever. And here is why. This dude, Timothy Mihar, some dude from Mobile, Alabama, couldn't even slap two things together, decided he was going to go to Africa to buy some niggers. Listen, in his own words, this is what he said. He said, I am going to buy, bring back a ship full of niggers into Mobile Bay right under the noses of them officials. That's what he said in his own words. He was going to buy, bring back a ship full of niggers. I am saying to all of you today, (laughs) if you live in Mobile, Alabama, chances are you are descendants of these folks who came from Benin, West Africa, and were brought to Alabama. So when they came here, by the time they got here, 1816 to 1861, the Civil War had started. So they worked for Mr. Mihar for a while, and then after the Civil War, he the the slaves went to him, and they said, "Listen up, dude. Uh, we can't. It's 1865. They can't go." Uh, Mihar refused to take them back to West Africa. Yes, he did. He refused to take them back. So they said, all right, since you refused to take me back, why don't you um, help me buy some land here? He refused to that. He said, what do you think I am? I brought you over here to make money. I'm going to give you land and property on top of it. You are my property. In the 1870 census, this dude, Mihar, listed these 110 human beings he brought from Benin, West Africa, as his possessions. They were divided between him and his two brothers and the captain of the slave ship. I kid you not, this actually happened. So when people talk about slavery, you know, white people like to say, some white people like to say, well, it happened such a long time ago, it has no relevance to today. Show me the money. You owe me pay up. Show me the money. So when I apply to institutions for education, you pay up. That's how, one of the ways you pay up. Show me the money so when descendants of blacks, when black Americans apply for jobs, they get those jobs based on their credentials and qualifications, based on nothing but that. Show me the money. When black women go into healthcare and when black women go into hospitals to give birth, they don't come out with children who are dead and they themselves are dead. Show me the money. So Mr. Mehar said to these folks, no, he wasn't going to do it. Eventually, they scraped together enough money and bought a piece of land and called it Africantown, Alabama. You want to visit Africantown, Alabama? Of course, it's a study in how redlining brought through by Jim Crow laws after slavery and reconstruction after the Civil War and reconstruction. Here comes Jim Crow laws making sure that Black Americans were continued to be defined by the color of their skin and did not participate in the economy. To this day, said things continue to happen. This is why I can't wait. I don't try to convince anybody to vote for what is right. I'm done with that. If your skin is Black and you're a descendant of slaves who came to America, I don't see how you can vote for somebody who propagates that systemic racism doesn't exist, who practices white supremacy. I don't see how you can vote for him. Herman Cain was a supporter and went to the Tulsa rally, and he's dead, and they won't talk about it. And you still think I'm going to try to convince you to vote for anybody else, to vote for anybody who does not support that foolishness? No, I'm not going to convince you. You will die in your own tomfoolery because... In the color of your skin while you are driving, driving while black will catch up with you or sick while black will catch up with you. Hospitalized while black will catch up with you. You don't think that the system is stacked against us. Think again. The president checked into the hospital for coronavirus and he got drugs that the rest of us can't get. No matter how rich you are. So we've been wondering, by the way, how come people say they test positive and then they're walking around like nothing happened? They have access to drugs. That are not available to the rest of us So continue To defend your foolhardiness And your, because it's foolhardy Because you're hard-headed And refuse, just because the man is a Misogynist, so it appeals to the Misogyny in you, the man hates Women, he disregards women He mistreats women and thinks women He should only grab women by the pussy That's what he said I'm repeating what he said, so the FCC can come and talk to me about that He said he grabs women by the pussy so it might appeal to some part of you, but the real truth of the matter is that in the big scheme of things, it's about racism, and it comes down to the difference of the color of your skin and the color of mine. For instance, look at me. I am a descendant of Africans and Europeans. This man said people who come from Haiti and, 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 and Nigeria come from shithole countries. But the people who come from Eastern Europe didn't come from shithole countries. The people who came here as refugees from Bosnia, Herzegovina didn't come from shithole countries. Come on now. That's racism. How are you going to describe one group of people within that context? That is the racism that exists to this day. So here's Mr. Timothy Mihar. He said he isn't going to help them. And that $20,000 that he took out and bought slaves, in 1860 to go take that joy ride over the Atlantic Ocean that same $20,000 made Mr. Mihar's grandson a multimillionaire in 1905. Hallelujah, listen to that. How easy it was in the American south to become a millionaire. If you're white, right? Keep on going. Mr. Mihar's descendants to this day are worth close to $55 million, their net worth. They won't talk to journalists. They hide behind this. They live in the South. They, I don't know what their political affiliation is. I don't care. I can only imagine what it is because their ancestors, their wealth is built upon the backs of enslaved black people who were transported by their ancestor from Africa into Mobile, Alabama. My God. So he's not the only one. There are other people who found out that their ancestors are, 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 were slaves, were slave traders, and some of them have tried to make amends. You know how you make amends? You start paying people the back wages for what their ancestors earned that they never got. You start working to eliminate the stacked deck against Black Americans that exists in the form of institutionalized racism. It is very painful this morning to have watched the Michelle Obama story and hear the pain in her voice. That is the pain of her ancestors because of the racism she and her husband endured while they occupied the White House. And the current current president's wife said she's not going to move in. When it was her turn to move in, she said, I'm not going to move in until they change the bathroom and in the living quarters of the White House, because she said, I'm not using anything that Obama's used. That's racism. That's who you all want to vote for. So the next time a black person tells me that's who they want to vote for, I bring that up. So I'm not even trying to convince anybody. That's not my goal here today. My goal is to point out that systemic racism exists because black People were taken from Africa And brought to America to be enslaved And the Clotilda slave ship Is the proof, is one of the proofs Because when we bring it up White people like to say show me the proof It's like Why aren't we registered on the Mayflower Why are our names not listed On the Mayflower as having come over Because they made sure they destroyed The records because they didn't want To be held accountable We're still talking about the American South, by the way The Jim Crow laws that existed in the American South gave rise to Nazism in Germany. Yeah, Hitler and his crew liked that. They're like, dang, this looks like a good thing. Maybe we can try it over here. Hoo-hoo. Imagine that. And all of this was simply based on the fact that you didn't like someone for the color of their skin. Then why did you bring blacks from Africa if you didn't like them for the color of their skin? Why didn't you go somewhere else and brought different people? You didn't like people. You thought their skin was so dark they were descendants of Ham and they must be filled with the devil. Imagine you walking around saying stuff like that today. Hello, somebody. <laughs> yeah? And you wonder today why once this, it, it it didn't die down, it didn't go away, we were just coping with it. But when the 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 environment and in the country started to promote racism again, it stirred up all kinds of feelings. It stirred up all of this stuff that even people in the country today who are progressive are saying, this is wrong. You don't want to rear this ugly head up again. You don't want this to come back. You want this to stay away. You don't want it to ever come back. They know why. Because there are people who perhaps are not going to like the fact that you enslaved my ancestors, but you lock that, you lock them up, you lock up their descendants. So you change one form of slavery and exchange one form of slavery for another. You create systems of redlining and inequities in education so that you have access to black bodies to lock them up in jail cells under the prison for profit industrial complex and then transport them off to prison so you can get access to their labor. Meanwhile, you have access to their daughters and nieces and sons so you can have sex with them and trade them out for sexual favors, create enough economic and economically staged incidents in people's lives so that you have access to them. You create it so people become vulnerable. A vast majority of the people we come across in human trafficking are economically vulnerable. It is wicked. You take advantage of poor people so you can have sex with their children and their daughters and teenage children. At some point, it's not up to me. At some point, karma is going to revisit. They call his name God. At some point, at some point, somebody somewhere is going to pay. And I don't know about the descendants of the folks in African town Alabama. They, they are also, I saw a story once, where they're also related to the descendants of Mr. Mihar, because Mr. Mihar, like every white man in the South, had sex with a female slave. But Mr. Mihar's descendants are reluctant to uh, engage, shall we say, and accept their culpability in the creation of a group of enslaved Africans. They don't even want to talk. I wonder why. I wonder why. They don't want to talk. They don't want to, hey, they don't want to talk. They don't want to engage. Come on now. I don't know about you, but if it were me, I'm filing a lawsuit that said some of that stuff you own that is worth now $55 million. You need to share it up because my ancestors worked for it. My ancestors worked for it. Don't be afraid, y'all. We need to start asking for this stuff. Why? Because it's yours too. Look at the inequities that exist in our lives today. As Michelle Obama said, her ancestors and parents had to work themselves to the bone just to start their children off, and they still face a deficit. You still are facing a deficit because the color of my skin rules supreme. You can't obviate it. I am who I am. You are who you are. You and I show up, we get a different respect. We get a different greeting based on the color of your skin. So the police are going to pull you over because of how you look. You go to the hospital, they're going to treat you based on the color of your skin. Yeah? It's, It's just ridiculous. Hey, Alex, you're gone. Okay. Right? Hey, I did say hey. I wasn't looking at the screen, so I didn't see you. Right? But do you see what I'm saying? And now, here we go. We face a situation now where we have to ask ourselves, what gives? Here we are today. And instead of them reaching their hands out to say, you know what, our ancestors did this, but we need to fix it, they're continuing the same racial stereotypes. I looked at an event they had at the Rose Garden in the White House, and everybody's white because that's what they still believe. They still believe they live in an America of the 1950s and the 1940s where everybody is white. They still believe in that, and they still perpetrate that. And you all are sitting ducks. I say, yeah, you all are sitting ducks because you're not advocating and talking about an end to it. Now, we have the young people out in the streets during the summer who marched until their feet were swollen. They marched until their feet were black and blue. And what do they get in return? Here is the fall season, and they're supposed to return to college. And what happened? They can't go to college like most of us. My my daughter has to stay home for online schooling. She can't go to college and participate in the normal rituals. Of American life, of graduating high school and being in college and doing what college kids do for that interim period between <laughs> between adulthood and childhood. <laughs> it's a beautiful time, <laughs> or was, because of the pandemic and the crazy belief system of an of a white man who thinks that he has every right to inflict on the people whatever he feels like. Because the virus wasn't real, it hit him. And he still says it isn't real. But pneumonia is about to talk to him. And then he's going to find out. All the drugs that they're giving him ain't going to work. Trust me. Those drugs, as the doctors say, are the happy drugs. (laughs) You know all hospital drugs make you feel happy? And then it wears off. And he's not in a capacity to deal with it because he's 74 years old and has comorbidities. What do you do? The slave trade happened. And the remnants of it, the residue of it, we're still coping with and dealing with today. And I know for many, you know, I empathize with my, my Black family members. I do. I really do. I empathize with members of the Black community for whom this is very painful to revisit. Many Black Americans are, find this a very painful part of their past. Many people strive to move away from any references or association with slavery. Nobody, nobody wants to be reminded that your ancestors were enslaved. Nobody. But the truth of the matter is, is the fact of the matter that it happened. And whether or not, whether or not we like it, it already did. The question is, what do we do with it now? So if you have the money and you have the power, you change it to make sure it never happens again. That's what you can do with the money and power you've been given. Makes no sense you hide under a rock. Makes no sense you try to change the color of your skin, change the color of your hair, change your very persona to match what they have sold you out to believe Is their idea of your humanity and your personhood. Don't buy into that negative narrative because that only leads to self-destruction. What you do is you make sure that this never happens again. So you make sure you contribute financially to candidates and influence public policy to eradicate and eliminate racism in our structures, in education, in housing, my God, in employment, come on, people, in healthcare, those are the structures, make sure you eliminate racism in it, you work to it, it's not enough for me as a black person to sit back on my haunches and say, I have crossed over, no, I haven't crossed over, if my black family members are still going through it, If members of my community are still experiencing racism, we haven't crossed over. That's how we should look at it. Because that means at some point it's going to catch up with me. Maybe I think that, okay, I can rent a jet. So I'm going to go down to City Airport or Detroit Metro Airport and rent a jet. But then they might mistake me for the janitor. And say, where are you going? Show me your path. And I'm like, huh? my boarding pass to go on my jet that I just rented. Excuse me. They don't keep me waiting. This is causing me $90,000 for the hour. Get out of my way. And then they lock you up and throw you down. And you have to call a lawyer to get you out because to them you're nobody because of the color you're skin. Now, they don't even earn $90,000 a year. But you are paying $90,000 per hour for a jet. And they're going to throw you in jail. But you get so humiliated you don't even want to acknowledge that the reason that happened was because of the color of my skin. I need to change that. No, you can't change the color of your skin. and You don't change your personhood to match what somebody else's idea of who you should be. You change the system. It's the system that does this. It's the, si- the system is not broken. The system was designed to make us fail. It is the system. And until we understand that it's the system and that systemic change must remove the system of prejudices and racism, we are not going to really effectively change anything. Do I have a witness? Up in here. See, I'm not the kind of person. I can't ignore this because I have to live with it every day that I walk around in my skin. I am culturally aware That wherever I interact, I am going to be exposed to some form of cynicism and racism from somebody who, under normal circumstances, I would deem inferior to me intellectually, inferior to me uh, socially, inferior to me culturally. But because of the color of my skin, that person is going to try to superimpose upon me what they believe is their way of thinking. I can't help that. I recognize that. So I'm culturally aware. I think this summer of George Floyd has made us all hyper aware that these things have not stopped and that they continue to happen and that they are promoted to happen by a governmental system that says you should not discriminate against me based on my nation of origin, my color, my sex. And my religion, yes, you continue through systems and structures to do it. See, I can't forget that, part. So I say to all of us, black and white, as Joe Biden is about to preach, we need to come together in unity. Somebody has to call it, because the current guy ain't calling it. He continues to divide so he can conquer, divide so he can conquer allege all kinds of stuff that are already heaped up on how people feel to divide and conquer so he can hold on to power. And while at the root of it, the system that promotes racially inequality, the system that promotes institutionalized racism in our institutional structures continue to proliferate, continue to be exercised, continue to be unjustly placed upon the backs of the descendants of slaves. Slavery ain't over. Far be it from us to assume and to think that when the Clotilda sunk to the bottom of the river, that slavery had ended. They sunk the Clotilda. Listen to this. Watch this. The owners of the Clotilda sunk the Clotilda to hide the evidence that they had brought people over here in 1860. That was his whole purpose. If he burnt it and he hid it, then it would not exist. Isn't that the same way they treat racism today? That if they stand up before the camera and tell you that it doesn't exist, then you will believe that it doesn't exist despite the lived experience of the people. The people who came over on the cotilla were right there in African town, Mobile, Alabama, were right there looking at the people And there they're saying, well, if we sunk the ship, so there's no evidence that we did it. Same way they do today. You apply to get into college, and they mistreat you and tell you that you can't get in based upon your grade point average. But they accept white students with way less grade point average. So people walk away thinking, I'm not smart enough to do it. I'm not good. Something is wrong. I'm never going to get it. If they can continue to hide the evidence, then it will. I applied to Central Michigan, so I'm a a non-traditional student. to Central Michigan University, they accepted me conditionally. And the college I'm coming from in my home country, they actually transferred 15 credits. So I'm conditionally accepted. Here comes a white woman who is, her name is Melissa Smith. She's an academic advisor. She ignores the university's protocols. The university says it's conditionally accepted me based upon one semester of maintaining over a 2.0 GPA. It's up to me. She totally ignores that and writes me a letter saying I need to go get a GED. I'm like, isn't this backwards? What did she do? She wants to change the system. Her name is Melissa Smith. She's an academic advisor at Central Michigan University. I don't know if she's still there because I complained about her. And she set the whole system so much against me that she even had somebody from the president's office respond. So if you are the president of Central Michigan University, you need to go read, check your emails because your people are answering on matters that should affect you. Now, the system says you should not discriminate against anybody, so if I were to go complain, through the Department of Education, there likely will be fallout. But see, they take upon themselves the attitude that they are the system and that there are others, we say systemic because it has broad-based application. It's everywhere. So Melissa Smith's attitude is because there are other people like me within the system, I guarantee that she will be successful in what she does to me. I guarantee you I'm not the only Person that this has happened to I dare tell you everybody When you encounter racism You're not the first nor will you be the last It has happened Before to someone else You are just brave enough to get up And talk about it This is what the descendants Of slaves have to contend with Even though Their ancestors worked Even though our people Worked their bone, their Fingers to the bone beaten slapped, lynched, shot, murdered, raped, and pillaged to build the wealth of America, we still today are outside of the economy. Still today are outside of housing. Still today experience discrimination in every facet of the same structure that we built. We built the system. Our ancestors built the system. Built it. For all of us, but we are outside of it, continue to perpetrate racism upon us shameful that in the 21st century it's twenty years into the 21st century and we're still talking about this slavery was abolished in eighteen sixty in America. the slave trade had ended they Actually went to civil war The people at that time actually went to war To fight This needs to stop And yet People still believed Americans, white Americans in the south still believed That they had a right And actually created a whole army To go fight against the people Who said no and divided the country North against south Is it any different than what is happening today Dividing the country North are trying to stir up those old patriotism and those old answers of dividing the country against North against South. Unbelievable that you still want to perpetrate an ideal that has no basis in human history. Because at the end of the day, we're all equal. You know how we are all equal? The same amount of cells. That exists in my body Exists in yours Well, it's kind of questionable Because I don't know if we have the same amount of brain cells Because you seem to have lost a few of yours But the same structure that built us up Where every day If I don't brush my teeth, I'll smell If you don't brush yours, you'll smell If I don't go to the bathroom, I'll end up in the emergency room Same thing with you If I don't go to the bathroom, you're going to have a problem All of that is ignored And you still want to look at me and tell me that based on the color of my skin determines my worth and determines my contribution to American culture. You want to look at me and tell me that my contribution to American way of life, American culture, and the society is confined to the color of my skin, not my intellect. Not my thinking. Not my drive, not my skills, but my colour. Something as vapid as that, something that the skin the sun changes. The sun exposure to the sun changes the color of my skin. <laughs> Just like yours. You're white, you go out in the sun, it changes your color. You get red or brown. That's melanin, darling. I go out into the sun and it changes the color of my skin and the appearance of it based on the sun's rays. I still can't even get some of the spots out from my face from driving in the summer, from sunspots, from you can tell from driving. Hello. This is, this, th- this is why we're at this tipping point right now because we're tipping. It's the 21st century, and the dynamics of the time demand that we have a different set of responses to the issues of our time. But we're not paying attention because we still want to cling to the old ways of thinking that we know absolutely it never worked. Slavery didn't really work because they didn't have an exit plan. They didn't think that they they thought it could continue to enslave people. There were more enslaved people than there were white people. It never occurred to somebody that eventually all the enslaved people were going to be aware of that, and then one day they're going to fight that. They used religion. This is why some people today still don't believe in organized religion, because they say organized religion is an arm of slavery. Yes. And let's be frank and clear. It was. It was. Because the slave masters told slaves that God says that you are to obey your master and obey those who have rule over you. And look at my eyes. Yeah. And because the slaves came from a different culture and didn't read English, so they made sure they never taught them to read because if they read the whole book, they would find that Jesus came to set the captives free. They weren't about to preach that. Which captives? You want people to rise up and say, oh, so the same way you're telling me that you should have rule over me, the Bible also says that Jesus came to set the captives free, then I am free indeed. They didn't preach that part of it. Isn't it the craziest thing that we're in the 21st century and still talking about it? But I have news for you, though. This is the beginning of the 21st century. And if God willing, I'm still going to be here around 2050. Yeah. And I am going to live to see this stuff turn around. So 2050 is only 30 years from now. I'm going to live to see this stuff turn around. Because it has to. Because the time has come. That's what all this movement is about. It's a form of exodus. It's leaving the old ways behind and leaving the old thinkings behind. And moving forward and striding into the future. And you can't enter the future. I know we we are uncertain of what the future holds and what it looks like, but we're going to have to trust the movement and look at the future. Don't look at the 74-year-old man who's trying to divide us. Look at the 77-year-old man who's trying to say, come on, let's move forward. That's the one you listen to. He's saying, come on, we got to leave that. Come on, just come over here because he's going to hand it over people who are capable of leading the rest of the way. So he's pointing the way. He's saying, come on this way. Don't look at the one on the other side. Don't look at the 74-year-old man who can't even take care of his own family. Expose his own family and your people. The people who work for you, Mr. President, the very people who work for you, the people who stand up there and defend you day after day, the people who create stories and spin stories around all your actions. You couldn't even defend them, dude. You couldn't make sure they don't get COVID, and then they have to take it home to their families and young children. You couldn't defend them. You couldn't protect them. They're your people. They stand in the midst of it with you. Defend them. Protect them. You couldn't even do that because it's all about you. We can't listen to you, dude. If you do that to the people who are in your immediate circle, no wonder 209,000 people have died. So how would you feel about me? And I don't even look like you. According to your philosophy, I don't have any value. My friends, slavery happened. Time we come to this reckoning. It's time for us to move on. And you know how we're going to move on? We're not moving on because we're pretending it didn't happen and we don't owe a duty of care to the people who were enslaved. No, we're moving on because we have to take our hands and hold our hands together and say, Look, we gotta share in this and we gotta fix it. We have to under we have to come to some agreement how we're gonna fix it. That's the story of how we fix what happened to the people who came over on the Clotilde and the millions of others who were identified but whose records were destroyed because nobody wanted to be held accountable years later. You didn't view people as human beings. You viewed people like you viewed a sack of flour, a sack of sugar, like you viewed the shoe you walked in. That's how you viewed human beings. It's the same idea today that will make an adult male have sex with a child. You view them as just a piece of property that you pay for, that you can have your fun with. And even if it tears their lives up, you don't care as long as you get your fix. Well, guess what? It's time to fix it indeed. That time has come. My name is Harriet Kermit. Go to my website, HarrietKermit.com, as well as view my pages of my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and wherever your favorite podcast platform is. Today is Tuesday, October 6th. You can almost hear the bell clanging. I thank you so very much for watching. I thank you for listening and share this podcast with other members of your community. Thank you so much, everybody. Get my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and and BarnesandNoble.com. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed.